gifts to everybody. You're giving it to one, you know, and it's got to be good, all right? Now, uh, one of the many reasons that I love Donna is because she helps me with the Valentine's Day gift. Uh, about two weeks ahead of Valentine's Day, she lets me know what she doesn't want, okay? <laughs> is Donna here yet? Is she? Oh, good. It's a good thing, all right? Uh, you know, because I get a lot of great ideas from the TV commercials, uh, you know. For instance, you, have you seen that giant teddy bear? You know, I thought, whoa, now that, she said she didn't want one of those. She told me. But then I hit on the one I think just really would be cool. It's the pink hoodie footy. <laughs> you seen that commercial? I thought, now that is a winner, all right? But she said she didn't want one of those. And then I, I really thought about it. You know, uh, any wife in Florida who gets that <laughs> thinks her husband is probably going to wrap her up in and try to bake her to death, okay? <laughs> If you live up north, it might work, but it doesn't work down here. Well, then, okay, that's two weeks ahead of Valentine's Day. Then about a week before, she sees the panic in my eyes that, that I've broken out in a sweat because I can't think of the right gift, you know, for Valentine's. So then she lets me know some of the things she would like. And as a result, in our marriage, we experience we harmony. And that's what we're talking about today, we harmony. And she, it, it is we harmony because, see, I'm relieved because she let me know what not to get her. And she's relieved because I didn't get her that. Okay, so it really is a harmonious relationship. And that's so important because, friend, you live in a world where we can't get along. Do nations get along with each other? No, everybody's got... Every nation has their own agenda, their own priorities. Can, is our country getting along? Okay, no. You know, I mean, I've never seen it like this. And, you know, we have 535 people in, in Congress who, it seems to me, my opinion is they're not trying to get something done. They're trying to stop the other side from getting anything done. And it, we just live in conflict. And it's not just our world, it's not just our nation, it's our families, too. Christian families, we, we don't get along. We fall in love with somebody, and <laughs> then after a little while, we start fighting, and a lot of times that family breaks apart. You probably have some family conflicts, hopefully not in your immediate, but there are probably family conflicts. We all deal with those. And so this morning, we want to talk about we harmony, all right? Harmony is just the coolest, one of the coolest words. Because it is, is that, that one word which ex, ex, expresses or uh, entails all the different notes in a scale, all the different musical notes, all the different instruments, all the different voices. And when they play together, they make beautiful music. We harmony. And see, the reality, friend, is God made us to need each other. He made us to need each other. Uh, here's a picture of uh, Emperor Frederick I. Okay, how many of you remember him? Well, no, he lived in the 13th century, so probably not. He ruled the Roman Empire. And uh, 
He had nothing better than to do than to try to figure out what man's original language was, Hebrew, Greek, or Latin. He thought, well, you know, the original language that mankind was given and everybody spoke, it had to be one of those three, Hebrew, Greek, or Latin. So how is he going to find out this very, very crucial question? He took some infants from their mothers. He isolated them from the sound of human voices. He reasoned that eventually they'd speak something, and whatever language it was, then that would be it. And so these nurses who cared for these infants were sworn to absolute silence. These infants never heard a human voice. Within months, they all died. God made us to need each other. God made us to communicate with each other. Here's some statistics, okay? Single men are jailed more often, earn less, have more illnesses, and die younger than married men. Now, uh, also, um, I read too, married men with cancer live 20% longer than single men with the same kind of cancer. Now, that doesn't mean that single men can't be healthy, okay? That doesn't mean single people can't be healthy, that they can't live long lives. It really comes down to our attitude. Uh, my grandfather, my, my perfectly healthy grandfather, died six months after my grandmother died. He gave up. It was obvious. And on the other hand, my mother died, uh, and my father's still living. He's lived for 18 years after her death. It, it all comes down to our attitude and the fact, do we have significant people in our lives? Women who statistically have more close friendships than men do, they survive longer. One of the reasons why women live longer, there are many, I think, but one of them is relationships. The Carnegie Institute stated that 90% of all people who fail in their job, who fail in their vocation, they don't do it because of lack of skill. Why do they do it? They can't get along with people. The conflicts in a work situation. God made us to need each other and to bring fulfillment with fulfilling relationships. A few nights ago, I was uh, lying, or not lying, I was in my recliner, had my feet up, and, and was watching the news, and uh, Donna was lying on the couch. And she said, Honey, would you get me a cup of hot tea? I worked hard today. And I'm thinking, well, what do you think I did? <laughs> and I immediately tried to remember some Bible verse to quote to say that it's a wife's duty to wait on her husband, you know, hand and foot. And I couldn't keep, I couldn't come up with any. And you know why? Because there aren't any, okay? But God did remind me of another verse, Philippians chapter 2. That's what we want to look at today. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Don't be selfish. <clears throat> Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others. 
how do we experience we harmony in our families? We harmony, it doesn't just happen. I mean, you know, when you meet that certain someone, you know, you got all these ooey gooey feelings and you think, oh, I'm gonna be in bliss for the rest of my life. But friend, that's, that's, that's not the case. Harmony in our relationships, it's like health in our bodies. We have to exercise. Uh, Don and I have reached a point where we really have to exercise, okay? And so we decided to do it together, and, you know, we bought one of those uh, Zumba DVDs. Now, that's a little off the top. That's a little too much, okay? I'm not doing very well. Donna is really good at Zumba. In fact, she's walking in right now. It's, you want to do a few moves? Okay, sorry. Oh, well. I'm in trouble. All right. If you want to be healthy, you need to exercise. If you want healthy relationships, you have to exercise them. You have to do some things, and we're going to focus this morning on saying some things. You have to say some things you don't feel like saying. You have to say some things that are kind of like hard work to do it. But that's how we bring harmony. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests. Take an interest in others. Now, Paul wrote this, and I just need to say this right up front. When Paul says, consider others more important than yourselves, he's not saying that we don't need to take care of ourselves, that we don't need time for ourselves. I mean, Jesus did. Uh, in Matthew chapter 14, he had a long day of teaching and, and doing miracles and all kinds of stuff with people. And finally, it's the end of the day, and he is deadbeat, and so is his disciples. And it says in verse 22, immediately after that very long day, he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus needed his alone time. Jesus needed his time alone with God. And friend, if Jesus needed that, how much more do you and I? If you don't get alone with God and let him rejuvenate you, well, you're not going to have anything else to offer to others. But we're to consider others more important. Now, I want to give you five exercises. Let's try to be practical or specific here, okay? These are five exercises that will help <coughs> to, for, so you can experience we harmony. And uh, each one is a, a one word, a two word, a three word, a four word, a five word. The, the one word exercise is this, we. That's, that's an important word, we, okay? <coughs> uh, got a picture of uh, Iditarod. You know what Iditarod is, right? Uh, on March 4th, uh, next month, they will start this race, the Iditarod. It's a 1,000-mile dog sled race. Starts in Whitehorse in the Yukon uh, Territory of Canada, and it goes to Fairbanks, Alaska. Now, the winner will get a big cash prize. <laughs> They'll be famous to get the name inscribed on a trophy, you know, all that kind of stuff, okay? But that's not how... The Iditarod started. In January 1926, almost 100 years ago, six-year-old Richard Stanley contracted diphtheria, which is highly contagious, and without medication, that could have wiped out his whole town of Nome, Alaska. Dr. Curtis Welch began immunizing pe the people there, the children and the adults, 
with uh, anti-diphtheria serum in Nome. But his supply ran out, and the nearest supply of serum was in Nanana, Alaska, 1,000 miles away across a frozen wilderness. Teams of trappers and, prose and <laughs> prosecutors, no, okay. <laughs> prospectors, trappers and prospectors, teams of them, they volunteered to get the serum with their dog team. And so one dog team started out from Nome, another one started out uh, with the serum, another one started out from Nanana, I'm sorry, they're the ones that had the serum. The serum, And they went from outpost to outpost, and at each one a new fresh team would start. And, and hundreds of people endured frostbite and hunger and exhaustion but those teams, they successfully carried out that mission after 144 hours in minus 50 degree winds. The serum was delivered to Nome, and their sacrifice saved that whole town from death. Now, did, did you hear the we in that story? No one person could have saved all those lives. It took teamwork. It took hundreds to accomplish the task. Friend, God made us to be together and work together. We can always do more than I can. We can accomplish things that I can. One of our core values here, we're better together. We are. God puts us in a body. It's the body of Christ. It's not individual Christians trying to live the Christian life on their own. It's the body of Christ encouraging and helping and strengthening each other. And we have a lot of great ministries here at uh, Alliance. And, you know, that doesn't happen because of the three, the three pastors do them. It happens because you, you, sir, half of you adults, you, you are in a, a weekly ministry. And we do it together with God's blessing. And, friend, that brings joy and fulfillment. That brings harmony in our relationship instead of conflict. One of the most important words in your vocabulary, it ought to be we. But the sad reality for, for too many of us, the, the word we use most often is not we, it's I. We talk about ourselves. Why? Because that's our focus. That's that what we're most interested in. Not looking to your own interests, Philippians 2.4 says. Each of you looking out for the interests of others. You know what that is? That's humility. That's humility. Humility is valuing others above yourself. John the Baptist said, he, Jesus, must increase. I need to decrease. What was John saying? He's saying, I realize I'm a human person. I just think first of me and my needs and what I want and those kinds of things. I want to think more about Jesus. I want, I want him to increase. I want to decrease. Do you have conflicts at home, on the job, family, co-workers? Well, you will if you want the credit. If you want to be in charge, you'll have conflicts. God created us to value others, not just ourselves. And friend, we all deal with self. The only way to stop from being self-centered is to put others first. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love others as you love yourself. Somebody said joy is Jesus, others, and you in that order. And when you can do that, then the harmony comes. Jesus was humble. He put others first. Philippians 2, 
verse 5, it goes on. He says there, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality as, of God as something to cling to and something to lord it over us. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges as God. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And then when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death. Now that's humbling. Why did he do that? So he'd get a lot of praise? No, he did it for you. He did it for me. Jesus said, your need for a Savior is more important than my comfort. Love others as you love yourself. We. Second word exercise, two-word exercise, thank you. Uh, two men were walking through a field one day, and, uh, well, there was, unfortunately, there was a, a bull in the field, and he started charging, and they ran toward the nearest fence, but when they saw they couldn't make it, one of them shouted out, hey, man, you better pray. And the other said, oh, I don't know how to pray. And, and the other one said, well, just pray what you heard your father pray at supper. And he said, okay. Oh, Lord, thank you for what we are about to receive. Make us truly thankful. <laughs> well, at least they're thankful. Okay. Did you know the Bible tells us to give thanks in all things? That doesn't mean you're glad that bad things happen. It means you're glad that God's going to take care of you. God's going to work it out together for good. You see, when something bad, it's going to, bad things are going to happen. Well, thank God that God's going to take care of you in that. And that God's going to work it out for good. And the Bible is full of verses about prayer. Almost every one of them tell us first to give thanks. And so, friend, if you want to have joy... If you want to have joy in your relationships, instead of being a grouch, give thanks. Give thanks to God and give thanks to others. Thankful people experience harmony and they speak, experience joy. And you see, it's important for us, but it's important for the other person. When we say thank you to a person, what are we doing? We're telling that person that we value them. That we appreciate who they are and what they're doing. Well, what if we don't tell them thank you? We're telling them we don't think they're important. We don't really value them. We don't value what they're doing. Say thank you. Say thank you. Three-word exercise. Oh, this is the really hard one. I was wrong. Some people never say that. And many people hardly ever say it. I was wrong. We say it's your fault. But when we swallow our foolish pride and admit, yeah, okay, maybe you weren't perfect either, but I wasn't either. And the way I reacted or what I said or whatever, I mean, we're just both, we're just both stirring up this conflict. I was wrong. I'm sorry. That opens the door for the conflict to be healed instead of it for it to become painful. See, when we say it, it's your fault, that just slams the door shut. But when you, but when you say, I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry for the way I reacted. I'm sorry for what I said. You know what? Most likely that other person's going to appreciate your humility and, and, and they'll express some humility too. And then the relationship can be healed. Forward exercise. We're getting harder, aren't we? Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? Uh, I've heard, you know, a lot of people who will come to the point where they say, I'm sorry. Or I was wrong, you know, acknowledge that part. But I don't hear many people say, can you forgive me? When was the last time you said that? Think back over this week. Think back over this last month. When was the last time you asked someone to forgive you? Now, if you haven't done that, say, in the last month, what's that mean? This whole last month, you were perfect. (laughs) Didn't do a thing wrong. And I know quite a few of you, you know, that's true, all right. But for the rest of us, no. We need to ask forgiveness. You see, if we don't do that, then we're just kind of building up the wall, the barrier that can separate us and, and, and uh, keep us from that joy and harmony that you want. Now, I just want to say a couple things if you ask somebody to forgive you. If you ask, can you forgive me? Most people will, but you have to ask. If you don't ask, most people won't. If you don't ask them to forgive you, you're just, again, you're adding one more layer to that wall between you. And here's really something just that I've only learned in the past few years. When you ask somebody to forgive you, you have to give them time. And I can think back on so many situations where I said, uh, okay, to, to Donna, I said, Donna, I'm sorry. You know, I was being a jerk. Will you forgive me? And she, she didn't say... Oh, yes, of course, it's wonderful. Why is that? Because wounds need time to heal. You see, when I've wounded Donna, wounds don't heal immediately. And so if you ask somebody to forgive you and they don't right away, give them some time. Give them some time because wounds take time to heal. They probably will. Can you forgive me? And the five-word exercise. You did a good job. You did a good job. Why? Humans, God designed us to need affirmation. And that's why God gives us so much affirmation in his word. How many times does God right here in his word that he loves you, that he has plans for you, that he wants you in his eternal heaven, that he's going to work, that he's going to take care of you, that he's going to work all things out. See, God knows you need affirmation. He designed you, and he gives it to you. But see, we're humans. We need it from God. We need it from others. And friends, we need to give it. The people in your life need to hear you say that you value them. And that you value what they do. If you don't tell them, they're going to think you're not important. They're going to think they're not important. Now, 
One of the reasons for that dynamic is that many of you had parents, mom and dad, and they never gave you affirming words. Long ago, it was just rare if a father would ever give affirming words to their children. Mothers were more prone to, but even they, maybe, maybe they never got any from their mother or father, and they don't know how to do it either. And the sad truth is that many parents never give affirming words because they never heard it from their mom and dad. It was always, you can do better. You brought home uh, straight A's, and they said, well, they should be straight A pluses. Never affirming words. And because of that hurt, if you experience that hurt, then you're going to subconsciously withhold it from your children too. You're not going to affirm others because you weren't affirmed. John Trent, who's the vice president of today's family, uh, gives us some words we can use because a lot of times we can't think of any. Words to say to our kids, I'm proud of you. Way to go. You did it. You're a good help. You are special. Give me a big hug. You are a good listener. I love you. I'm praying for you. You were really kind to your brother or sister. See, just simple words of affirmation. They build your child up. And that's what you want. You don't want to tear them down. You want to build them up. Our children need affirming words. So do our spouses. I'm so thankful. My, mom, uh, my dad really wasn't... Uh, you know, touchy-feely uh, kind of dad wasn't, um, you know, terribly, terribly affirming in his words and so forth. But I can remember that every night as we sat down for supper, at the end of supper, he would look at my mom and say, that was a good dinner. That was a good dinner. And so I uh, picked up that habit, too. And it's real easy because Donna's an excellent cook, as you can see. All right. <laughs> Good dinner. Sometimes in the prayer, I'll just thank God for uh, the food he gave and the good cook he gave me. Your friends, your coworkers, do you affirm them? Your coworkers, the people you work with, do you affirm them? Do they do everything right? No. Do you affirm them in the things they do well? Humans need affirmation. When was the last time you said you did a good job and I appreciate it? I have a picture of this guy. Who is this guy? Who is this? Bear Bryant. Paul Bear Bryant. Uh, the coach, the great coach of Alabama. He was a great football coach. Wasn't a great dresser. Uh, unfortunately, but it's a great, great coach. All right, okay. This is, this is what he wrote. I'm just a plow hand from Arkansas, but I've learned how to hold a football team together. There are three things that I say. If anything goes bad, I say, I did it. If anything goes pretty good, I say, we did it. 
If anything goes really good, then I say, you did it. That's all it takes to get people to win football games for you. And his football players played with all their passion and all their energy because he affirmed them, because he let them know that he appreciated them. He gave them the credit. Now, unfortunately, you see, sometimes when we work together on a job, in fact, maybe sometimes we kind of are leading the job and someone else under us gets the credit. Does that bother you? Yeah, probably, because we're human, aren't we? Does it bother you when someone else gets the credit and you don't? Do you like to get the credit? <laughs> Jesus, uh, talking about the Pharisees, said this to them. Jesus said to them, you love to get the credit here on earth. When you do that, you forfeit the reward in heaven. Tell others, you did a good job. Give the credit to others so you don't lose your reward in heaven. Valentine's Day. Uh, can I just uh, encourage you, you know, uh, we should apply the Word of God. We should do something about the Word of God. If we just listen to the Word of God and don't do anything about it, you know, we just ignore truth. And God tells us to be doers of the Word. Well, Valentine's Day is coming, and okay, yes, there's that special Valentine in your life, okay? But why don't you decide to give everybody you see today a Valentine's gift, okay? Not a romantic one. But why don't you decide to give them some of these encouraging words that'll build them up instead of tearing them down. The world's going to tear them down. We Christ followers are supposed to build them up. One more. Take out your smartphone. Some of you already got them out. You're, uh, you're playing words with friends or whatever, okay? But take out your smartphone. You know, the, just the coolest thing about smartphones is, uh, you know, when you open it up here, which I'm doing here, what do you see? What's the first thing you see when you get? You see all those apps, all those little tools and toys that uh, people designed to, to help you out, okay? There's the calendar. Oh, man, I need that calendar because I'm getting to the place where my forgetter works better than my rememberer, and uh, this thing just really reminds me that I'm supposed to, that I have that appointment, and, uh, and then I love the weather app, too. I want to know what the temperature is, and oh, maps, you know, maps there. You want to know how to get there? There it is, right there, and uh, Oh, well, well, those are good ones, okay? So we've got these maps, or these apps, okay? Next week, we're going to start a new series called Life Apps. You see, these uh, can really help you out in your life. Do you know that uh, God, who loves us so much, has uh, given us apps, applications, to make our life better, to make our relationships better? Because, you see, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to experience his love, and then he wants you to give that love to others. And so in this uh, six-week series, we're going to talk about life apps uh, from God. 
And, you know, really, it's, it's good to hear the Word of God, but, friend, we need to talk about it, too, and we need to do it together. And I'm going to encourage you to join a small group, a six-week small group. Starting next week, Sunday morning, meet 11 o'clock, 11 to 12. You're here. Service is over. Go grab a cup of coffee. Go to a small group. Friend, that, that just makes a total difference in our application of God's Word uh, to our life. And, you know, we'll have nursery care available. And, and uh, uh, Jason and Mike have uh, agreed to uh, uh, set up uh, the gym uh, for child care and also for the students, uh, for uh, them to have a good time. So adults, I want to encourage you. Now, I ask you to take out your smartphone, okay? Because you can sign up right now, all right? You can just go to our website, all right? You can, you can email info at Sarasota Lion. You can even text me. I would love to get a text from you saying, hey, help me get in the right group, okay? That's just so important. Six weeks, small group. Uh, meeting with other Christians like you so we help each other live the great life that God has called us to live. So I hope you'll do that. That's very, very important. Would you bow with me in prayer? And before we pray, friend, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He proved it when he sent his son to die in your place. And he wants your life to be all it can be. He wants you to have joy in your relationships. And that's what he tells us how to do that in, uh, in his word. And so, friend, I just want to encourage you in that. And uh, maybe you don't have a personal relationship with, uh, with God. Well, you can. You can. Jesus said, call him daddy. <laughs> when you accept me as your Savior and Lord, then God, the sovereign God of the universe, becomes your heavenly Father who wants to help you in every area of your life. If you've never invited Christ into your life to be your Savior and your Lord, to be your life, I'll do it today. Because God wants you in his heaven. He wants you to be start today. He wants you to start following Jesus all the way to heaven. God, thank you. Thank you for these amazing truths. Thank you for your amazing love. And I pray that you would help us live these things out. And dear Lord, we live them out when we rely on you and when we also rely on others, other Christ followers. We walk together. It's a team. We're better together, God. And I pray we'd live this out. And, and this week, when the world thinks about Valentine's Day and about love, may they see us Christ followers truly displaying love, exercising love in all of our relationships. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?